0: Awesome, we are on. Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to the Data-Driven Podcast sponsored by Expresso.ai. Expresso is a lifecycle management platform for artificial intelligence and machine learning applications. It is built on an integrated set of frameworks and accelerators to help data scientists build cognitive solutions quickly and easily. A pretty incredible product. Anyway, on today's show, we are joined by Elias Velemsa not that hard a co-founder and the CTO, i can see you smiling at waste labs elias how are you doing today
1: i'm doing very well michael and thanks for having me on the podcast
0: it's my pleasure did i navigate my way through the landmine of your last thought issue or
1: <laughs> no that was that was good that was really good <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's great okay let's get a little bit of your background for context and then we can jump into some of the main topics yeah
1: yeah, sure. So um, I'm formerly from South Africa. Uh, so grew up there, studied there. And um, when I was about, I think, 20 years old, um, I got in exposed to um, analytics, to using maths and modelings to to help people make better decisions. Um, so I really fell, fell in love with this field. And then uh, when I was about 21 years old, um, then I kind of got exposed to waste management. So then um, it was... You know, this, uh, I realized this waste management complex is, uh, is pretty, uh, well, my waste management process is pretty complex. And in South Africa, it's not performed very well. And then on this this one side, I had this set of tools that's supposed to help people make better decisions. And on the other side, I had this problem, or there's this problem of how do you do waste management better? So my whole life has basically been to how do you merge these two? How do you use AI and analytics to actually um, make waste management better?
0: So this is a great introduction, actually. The math part, I completely understand. I mean, at a certain age, we all get introduced to math, and the further we go in it and the more proficient we are in it, the more interesting it becomes, right? I mean, I say often, like, math is not invented, it's discovered. And the more you discover about mathematics and its ability to help you make better decisions or allow people to make better decisions at scale, it's kind of cool. That I understand completely. But how did you discover waste management? That seems like... (laughs) <laughs> a much harder thing to discover.
1: Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, that's true. So um, it it was part um, uh, of my career journey. Um, so after university, I worked for a research council in South Africa. Okay. And there, the mandate was that uh, we want to do research that has a uh, that that improves service delivery, and has a positive impact on cities. Okay. Um, and we knew about um, routing optimization and that you can use um, that you can use maths and AI to improve logistics operations and waste management is just reverse logistics. So this seems like the ne- next natural step. to OK, well, let's use AI to try and do something good um, and actually improve the lives of people instead of just helping people to make more money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So I was telling you this offline, but I'll tell you now online. I do an entire podcast that I call the Social Innovation Podcast. This idea that you can do really good things and still do really well, that combination of let's do things that are good for people and still be able to make a profit, which then can go back and fund you doing things that are really good for people and at scale for society is kind of really important to me. And waste management seems like an incredible place to start. We can get into this too, but if you just think about I forget who said this, but somebody said that like the ocean is just downhill from everything. And if that's true, then that means that garbage is just getting tossed into the ocean at scale all over the world. What, what happens to the things that we use after we use them, right? And then how do they get recycled and reused and what should happen? Is that fair?
1: Yeah, yeah no, that's fair. Well, <laughs> The first thing that happens with the things that we throw away is we forget about them. <laughs> That's the first thing that happens in our mindset. So, uh, yeah, it's gone, a lot of right? people, yeah, they're gone. A lot of people, it's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. So, um, if, if, if you live in a city with a really efficient waste uh, management system, you throw it in your bin and you forget about it. Right. Uh, what happens from there is you basically have a bunch of trucks driving around, picking up the waste and driving around with your waste. And then they take it. Um, if you're in a good system, it then goes to treatment facilities. Uh, so this could be recycling plants, or it can go to landfill, or it goes to incineration plants. So uh, this isn't a good system. Now the problem: is the scale of this is is ridiculous. So in a in a city like Singapore, to service a about a, a seventh of the of the city costs, I think a clo- about close to eighty to hundred million dollars. Just to drive around with the waste,
0: a year, and
1: a year, okay. take it from point A to point B. So it's, it's, it's,
0: it's basically
1: money that's just being wasted driving around with waste um, from point A to point B, um, and then uh, disposing it.
0: And is there a way to extract value from that? In other words, all this stuff is stuff that was manufactured into something that was meant to be useful isn't there a way to take it then if you're spending 80 million bucks it's almost like investing in plant and equipment in a way how do you take it then and turn it back into stuff that's still useful like if i throw away this thing which is just a glass bottle yeah at some level you should be able to use reuse it as glass no yeah well
1: in theory yes um i mean Glass, I think, has a high recycling rate, so that's, that's a good example. Uh, but here's a problem. It depends on how you throw it away. If you throw it away in your general waste, it's, it's not, it can't go anywhere. Then it's going to go straight to the landfill or straight to a incineration plant, Why? Um, if you're lucky. Why? Um, well, the thing is, that bottle is going to get broken, and the cost and the energy cost to actually then kind of take everything out that's recyclable is extremely high and it's extremely expensive to try and separate everything once you've thrown it together. Really? Yeah. So how you dispose of your weight really kind of determines um, where it will end up.
0: So how complicated are the systems that are meant to manage this? And I guess the real question is how can they be made more efficient by extracting the right or the proper level of data? and then apply artificial intelligence to them. And I guess at some level, some machine learning as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at the whole uh, reverse logistics, um, the best thing you can do is to keep things separate from the start. Um, and that requires consumer behavior. So we, as people have to kind of keep our way separate and understand what can go into recycling, what can't go into recycling. Okay. Just using that as has a big, makes a big difference of um, where things end up and what can be recycled and what cannot be recycled.
0: But this is a massive mindset change, right? In other words, and humans are exceptionally lazy, yeah. particularly when it comes to their garbage. I mean, I think you're right. Most people, I mean, you see people toss stuff on the street, which is horrible. But even if they throw it away into a bin... Just the recycling bit of it, it's just too much for most people's brains to handle. Is there a way to do it after that? Or do we really need to start at the beginning and just start training people? Like glass goes in one place, food goes in another place, and regular waste goes in a separate place.
1: Um, There are ways to try and do it the other way. It just, like I said, becomes extremely expensive. Expensive. Um, So some of the technology you do get is is, um, sorting. Right, uh, where you dump everything on a conveyor belt, and then they um, now the start of the art is to use um, image um, processing or image recognition to then try and identify what are the valuable products, and then you can have a machine picker or a robot picker just picking out individual items, right, um, and taking them. So that's that's that is possible. What is tricky is uh, when it comes to waste, uh, nobody really understands exactly what we're throwing away and how much we're throwing away and where we're throwing it away. So when, um when, whenever people are trying to design this technology downstream, um, it really depends on what we're throwing away and where it's coming from.
0: How do I take all this data? Like I have to presume, I, I like to simplify things, right? Cause it's easier for humans to understand. Let's just say in a one house universe, in a one landfill universe and in a one pickup truck universe, right? There's a house that creates garbage, they throw it away, the truck comes and picks it up. It can take it to multiple places, so not just a landfill. How does the truck know what's in there? In other words, how can you make the route optimization more efficient and optimize it, actually? Sorry, I misspoke. But then how can you take, like, what kind of data do you think is embedded in that truck? And then how can you take that data, analyze that data, and make the whole process better?
1: Yeah, so... On the truck side, the, the one data source you always have is uh, GPS records. You know where the truck is driving. Go ahead. And where it's coming from. So that's a good one. Um, another good data source is actually inst- external. Um, so thanks now to smart city initiatives, a lot of um, city data is becoming available in the common space. Okay. So we should know just by using public data what kind of household that uh, waste truck is picking waste up from. Um, some demographic information, like what's the income level for that area? How big is the house more or less? What's the demographics, uh, for the specific house? And just using those two, uh, we can, we can fairly accurately predict how much waste is being generated Really, by a household. Well, humans are strangely predictable
0: <laughs> in <laughs> what we throw away. Not that strange, but yeah, fair enough. <laughs>
1: Uh, everybody throws something away, and right. um, and it's it's strongly correlated to a to a few uh, to a few factors. So income is one. Yep. Uh, the more we earn, the more we throw away.
0: Fair enough, because the more uh, we, the more <laughs> we consume, right? I mean.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that's a big one. Um, and then also, then um, you can start doing samples of maybe a few households, and you can extrapolate that uh, to the rest of the population. And just having that information to know where waste is being generated and a r- rough idea of how much um, is, is is actually pretty good uh, to d- then determine what is the optimal way of collecting the waste and also what is the optimal ways of treating the waste. So, how big should your or small should your incineration plant be? Um, what is your potential for recycling um, out of that uh, bunch of waste? So. Just that information from those three data sources, uh, which is pretty common, um, already gives you a lot of data uh, that you can use uh, to improve the system.
0: How about using that data to create sort of waste-to-energy plants?
1: Uh, Yeah, that's an interesting one. So um, that's the idea. Um, Often what the waste-to-energy plants use is they just go to the nearest other waste-to-energy plant and kind of see what's going into their system. And then, okay, cool. We'll probably get the same. Uh, So let's design our system around
0: that. So if you were gonna design this from scratch, right? And again, this is in the ideal world in a more simplified universe, but if you were gonna design it from scratch, how would you design it? What type of data would you want to extract? And then what would you do with that data to make the whole system more efficient from landfill to disposal to separation and segregation of different types of waste and then into energy? Do you know what I mean? Like if you could just start from zero, what would it look like to
1: you? Yeah, Um, well, ideally, and and this is what separates waste from other things like water, is is you can have some sort of meter that just in real times measure how much you are throwing away.
0: But how would that work? Tell me. And then what kind of data would it get?
1: Yeah, probably probably it won't work. (laughs) No,
0: but how how would it work? In other words, because it's interesting. In other words, look, I built a house from scratch, right? Yeah. So when I built that house from scratch, I could build anything into it that I wanted to, and I could make it super efficient, right? And in Singapore in particular, they build public housing in a way that's different than they do in the rest of the world. So you could literally build a system there, at least start it for smart cities, right? Where you can only put, and again, I'm going to simplify things, glass into this bin, cardboard into this bin, and food waste into this bin, right? And then you know what's going in there, you can measure the weight of it, and then you know what to do with it when it gets to its re- the bottom of the receptacle, You can then measure that data, take that data, and then use that data to build your next set of houses so that they're more efficient when it comes to waste disposal. The same way you can figure out how much electricity is being used by the meters and stuff like that, where you should put solar on the roofs, all this kind of stuff, right? And actually where you should put the termination point for your internet connectivity. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, it does. Um, it does. I, I think one of the challenges in waste is, again, you, you, you're you dealing with something with no value. Uh,
0: does it really have it, no value, though? Well,
1: uh, yeah, correct. You can upcycle it, but let's call it low value at, at, at its best. Fair enough. Uh, low value. So it, it's, it's always a very difficult um, economical problem. Like what kind of technology do you put in and can you at least cover the cost of the technology uh, based on the data or the insights that you get out of it?
0: Yeah, fair enough. So go ahead.
1: Oh, yeah. And then um, again, the, the issue with waste is the scale of it is is crazy. Even though I say uh, municipalities spend $100 million per year transporting it, it's still like a crazy big system because you have to think like a truck visits every house in a city in Singapore every day, right? Every day of the year, every day, um, every, day um, every day of the year. So there's basically a truck coming around to each block or each house every day um, of the year, uh, which logistically is crazy. That's like a UPS guy making a delivery at every possible house every day of the year. Um, So even though the costs are high, it's, it's, it's still um, per capita or it's, 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 it's not, it's not like they're overspending. It's not like there's a lot of money that can be um, used for something else. Um, The system is already kind of at its minimum cost um, already. Um, And the, the key reason for that is because the stuff that you're throwing away is not there's not much value in it. So you can't spend too much money um, in trying to manage it.
0: So let's go back to the original part of this conversation. You wanna be able to take (laughs) math, which helps people make better decisions into waste management. And how can you, I like to talk about the fact that compute power is expanding rapidly, right? Exponentially, data storage, the, the cost of data storage is dropping incredibly and bandwidth is becoming ubiquitous. So how do you combine all those things plus the math skills that you have for decision-making into the waste management business just to make it more efficient at scale?
1: Yeah. Uh, so the key principle operationally is uh, you, I mean, because there's, there's so little value in it, you want to spend, or you want to use your resources um, optimally. If, if, if you have 10 trucks and you can do it with nine trucks, then you should use nine trucks. Because the cost of the ten truck, you know, you can you can spend that on a hospital or a library or something better than just driving around with waste. Um, so a, a lot of this is around um, solving these kind of resource optimization problems. Okay. Yeah. So, so using um, the information that we do have and that we can extract, we know where waste is being generated, how much is being generated. It's then how do you design your waste collection system uh, so that you use the minimum number of resources. Uh, to actually collect that waste uh, and transport it.
0: Okay. And how does that work in the real world? Let's say you're working with a, ma- a waste management company. In Singapore is a great example, right? Because it's a small enough country where you can actually see the impact. Let's say you go to a waste management company. What does it take to gather that data, sit down with the management, and understand the proper optimization? How do you, How does that work from beginning to end?
1: Yeah, so the, um, <laughs> the biggest bottleneck is get, just getting the data in the right format. Go ahead. Uh, so, so typically, you would go to the um, to the manager or the IT company, and you would tell them, "Give us any data you have on your operations." <laughs> we can't be picky in this in this space. Um, so then we usually ask, "Give us a GPS records. Give us um, info on how much waste your trucks currently dump at the Weybridge or at the incineration plants," um, and then we do the rest. So then we take whatever public data we can get, and then we um, get a sense of where waste is being generated. Then, uh, then we actually go into the nitty gritty and ask them, "How do you? What kind of trucks do you have? What are their specs? And what are the do, do's and don'ts of those trucks? Like where can they or where can't they do?" And all of this we then build into a big mathematical model.
0: Okay, now it's getting fun. <laughs> now it's turning. Yeah,
1: now, now it's getting fun. So this becomes an optimization model, a mathematical model, um, and then we we solve the mathematical model. So it usually has an objective of minimize cost. And then it spits out a bunch of Xs and Ys. um, And then it's decoding those Xs and Ys. And that tells you how you should collect your waste. You know, what routes should you follow? What trucks you assign to what? Then we go to the to the ops guys, and we give them a solution. And then they usually tell us we're wrong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How would you possibly know?
1: Uh, yeah, then they tell us was wrong and we usually are wrong because uh, we made a lot of assumptions, simplifications in our model and then we go back to our model and then we change these assumptions, simplifications and we go back to the ops managers um, until it reaches a level where they say, oh, this actually makes sense now. Um, and then they pilot it and they see whether it's better, um, uh, whether our resource plan and allocation um, is better what the, than what they're currently driving.
0: And what normally happens then?
1: If it's a failure, they said, okay, see, the maths doesn't work. Uh, our operations guy that's been doing this for 25 years knows better than the maths, uh, which, which happens. Um, if it's successful, uh, then it's like, okay, how do we roll this out? How do we bring this into our processes um, and do this kind of optimization continuously?
0: So that was gonna be my next question is, it's not just a, it's not a means to an end, it's a means to an, uh, an iteration, is that fair? In other words, once yeah. you get in, there always has to be a way to optimize this. And do you see that with some of your customers that the more you get involved in their business, the more data you're getting, right? I wanna talk about the data side of it, yeah? The more data you get and the more data you get, the more you can then turn around and optimize more. Is that fair?
1: Uh, Yeah, it is up to a point. I mean, you always get a point of diminishing returns. Usually Usually the first time you optimize, you get your biggest improvement because things are a bit chaotic. And then um and then you can continue and then uh, then it sort of plateaus after a while what does happen which is quite interesting is um if if you if you start with one thing like just the routing optimization and and people see what you're doing and they trust you uh then they start coming up with new use cases so th- this happened a few times when the guys come back to us and say oh you know we're now we've got these bins we need to decide where to place these bins it seems you guys are good at calculating this how can you help us out and we're like oh yeah that, that's that's awesome that's a um, that's just a location modeling problem. Uh, we can solve this. Sort of, so it, it it it's kind of a, a nice thing to see when people start to, to not trust, but see the benefits of using more advanced decision-making. Um, and then they actually come up with use cases and say, oh, we've, we've struggled with this problem. Maybe you guys can actually tackle this one. Uh, what about this? So um, it's quite a nice journey when
0: that happens. Absolutely. Is there a place for, and I don't know if a lot of people understand this concept, but is there a place for building... A digital twin.
1: I mean, that, that's what we do. <laughs> we, we advertise uh, that. That's what we do.
0: Do you want to just define for people what that is first, and then tell tell us how you use it and what role data plays in the building of it and the usage of it?
1: Yeah, sorry, uh, yeah, Michael, I think you're putting me well, I'm putting myself on the spot here. I know there are formal definitions of a digital twin. So basically, how, how we do it for waste is we have a digital replica of each waste producer in wow. Singapore, uh, which is a building. <laughs> Uh, on, a, on a building level, yeah. um, and and then we have some sensor data that's coming in from some of our clients, like how they're collecting waste, how they are, um, how much waste they're collecting, and then we use that to update the digital twin.
0: Right, but I mean it's a pretty powerful tool, right? Because if you can recreate in a digital format, that means that you can also change things, right? And it's correct a lot more impactful than just like a CAD CAM thing where it's a static picture of something. When you build yeah. a digital twin of something. Like you said, if there are sensors around there, you're constantly getting information, not just about the optimization of the roots, but of the place where the waste is being generated. And if you can do that, then you're gathering data at source that can then be tracked through the whole process of root optimization to the end point where that where that waste gets dropped off, right? Yeah. And that's yeah, super correct. powerful.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. And the, the beauty of, of digital twins in general is... Um, you can very quickly test and predict what happens if you change things in your system.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's where the real power is, right? Because if you can create a digital twin of that whole ecosystem, someone will say, well, what if we move that bin? It's a perfect example. And they may think that may be meaningless, but the reality is that a few centimeters here or a few meters there can change change the whole equation, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. So on a more extreme scale, um, even in Singapore, there's some of the incineration plants that are closing down in certain areas. Okay and other ones are opening but they're opening in different locations so i mean one option is you close it down and you see what happens in practice and how the routes change but if you have the digital twin it's very easy to simulate i'm closing that one down this is how my trucks will drive around with this one closed this is how many more trucks i need
0: yeah but not only that it's also you can figure out again if you digital twin the incinerator digital twin the sources of it and then digital twin the route you have The waste management plant and the incinerator plant is also creating a whole ton of data about pollution and a whole bunch of other things, right? And if you take that away, well, all that stuff has to go somewhere. So then how do you map out where it goes after that? You can also do that with a digital twin without, again, having to run the cars or the trucks on the roads. And just before you knock down that thing, you can figure all this stuff out.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, it's it's kind of yeah, and, and ideally, it's it's with any design, it's it's cheaper to fail on paper than it is to fail in practice after you build it. So the same thing happens with the digital twin as well. Um, it's it's very easy to to then kind of test scenarios, see what happens, run what if scenarios, and then measure uh, what the impact is of of our decisions that we want to make
0: absolutely what do you do for your data science team in other words did you build out a big data science team and then how do you do your back end management of all this data that you're collecting i mean there's so many questions from here right because if you if you're because if you're gathering all this data right i think a lot about data anonymization but then reusing that data in similar situations right like you said if math can solve all these problems if the math is similar in scenario a to scenario b you can augment this anonymized data with the real Mm -hmm. data and then become even more efficient. Is that fair?
1: It it is fair. Where we we were a little bit different is we didn't start with the idea of, oh, we're going to get a lot of data and this data is going to be useful. Uh, We started with, we want to solve very specific problems. Got it. And we know how to solve them. What data do we need to solve those problems
0: in reverse? Okay, go ahead.
1: In reverse, so our, our data management is, is still quite messy, actually. Our main focus has been like we, at least in my mind, I think there's enough data out there already. It's a bit of a blanket statement. My feeling is there's a lot of data out there, but the the next kind of critical part is how do you use that data to improve decision-making, to have yeah. a real impact on the ground? Um, and, and that has been our, like, razor sharp focus is we know the data's there. Uh, we get it, but we really want to focus on how do you use this data into decision models to actually help people on the ground uh, make make better decisions.
0: Yeah, look, I think it's a common I think it's a common um, scenario in the sense that a lot of companies start with trying to solve a problem, not trying to build a data infrastructure. And what they realize, like you said, there's so much publicly available data or readily available data. And a lot of companies think I can't do data analysis and I can't do data science because I've only been around for a day, and I don't have <laughs> enough data to do it. And the reality is, just like you said, there's plenty of data out there. But then the, the challenge is, how do I get it in? How do I manage it? How do I clean that data so that if I run scenarios or algorithms or data science on it, how am I going to be sure or confident that I'm getting the right answers?
1: That's true. That That, that is a big challenge. So, I mean, like, again, how, how we address it is quite messy. We'll, um, we'll, again, we start with a problem and then we trace the data sources.
0: Got it. And do you do you map out all these routes as well? Yeah, we do. Uh, we do. And are those maps interactive? Do you know what I mean? Uh, like, can your yeah. companies can can the companies that you work with actually see the maps and the routes that you've built out?
1: Uh, yeah, they can. Um, not quite in real time. Okay. Uh, but uh, we do. We do. So we, I think we spend more time on visualization than we do on proper data management on the back end, uh, because that's where a lot of things fall fall apart. If if the decision maker or your client side don't understand what you're doing and what you're presenting them, and they don't trust it, uh, then it goes nowhere.
0: Yeah, I mean the visualization is so important, right?
1: Correct. And the the nice thing about um, about geographical data, whether it's logistics or routing, is it's geographical, so it, it's just so easy to visualize. Right. And um, almost everybody understands a map. Yeah so it's it's such a it's it's we're quite i wouldn't say privileged but that's the nice thing about waste is you can do really nice visualizations because it's physical processes that's on the ground
0: i find yeah i mean it's so easy to explain to people like here's where the waste starts here's where it terminates and because (laughs) you live in this town you know the roots even if you're not driving the roots of the garbage truck itself do you find that I always, I always think that like this, the sales cycle for a new product like this is always long. But once you actually convince someone to use it, and once they actually see the benefit of understanding the data at, through the visualization, do they come back to you, like you said, with other things to do? Like, hey, wait a second, smart guys. How else can you help <laughs> us with these visualizations and with these with this data that you're gathering or using?
1: Yeah, no, no, 100%. So it, it's happened a few times. So, I mean, we started in, in just general waste, municipal waste. Right, And then we got involved with electronic waste. How do you design an electronic waste collection system uh, that's dedicated just to electronic waste? Where do you put the bins? And now we're even doing some work with um, corporate clients um, who actually wants, wants to better understand um, their products. Where is it being thrown away? How can we get it back into our system? Right, and, and most of this revolved around what you said, the concept of the digital twin.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Where we build the digital twin and we visualize the digital twin And after we showed the visual of the digital twin, people are like, oh, you have this information. Oh, maybe we can do X, Y, and Z as well um, on top of the digital twin.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think about a hospital as this massive ecosystem, right? Multiple floors, different types of surgeries, different types of clients come in, different types of, you know, operations, but all the waste that gets created there and how that can be better managed, right? So if you're talking about corporate, I mean, people don't think about hospitals in that way, but they're massive ecosystems. Do you do any work with, I don't know, health facility centers? You call them whatever you want. Not, Not yet.
1: yet. Not yet. We would love to. So, um, I mean, hazardous waste in general is 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 a big complex field. How yeah, do you deal way. with hazardous waste? Uh, and, and there's a lot out there. We were, we were oblivious to how much hazardous waste uh, there is and, and the type of, of hazardous waste. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe as an interesting um, an anecdote, uh, we've even come into the situation of religious waste.
0: I can only only begin to imagine going down that rabbit hole. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so um, what happens is, I mean, you have religious ceremonies um, and you have waste that gets generated, like food that has been blessed in some way, and you can't throw that food in with your normal waste. Because because it has um, a special meaning now to whoever produced it because it's now been blessed. So it's, it's kind of sacrilege to just throw it with the other waste.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so You, you can't just take it a, out back and put it in the bin.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. So now I have to have a, kind of a special waste collection system just for your religious waste so it doesn't
0: get mixed with your general waste. Fair enough though, right? I mean, that's just another massive business opportunity and another opportunity to share data. The the other thing I was thinking of is, you know, Singapore is famous for being, having one of the biggest and most efficient deep water ports in the world. But it must create a lot of waste as well. I'm wondering if you look at those sort of closed ecosystems like that.
1: Wow, that's a good one. No, I haven't thought about um, about that, actually. Yeah, we haven't really looked at how much waste is being generated in just the, the marine sector in general. It's actually a good one.
0: Yeah, I would definitely go take a look at that.
1: Yeah, yeah, open, maybe too much land focused. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, I mean, just, the, you know, think about how many ships and boats and all mm-hmm. the stuff that comes into that port. It's one of the massive sources of income for the city-state of Singapore. Yeah. And I am sure that the government would love to work with somebody who's who's built a system to track all that data. Just imagine building a digital twin of the port. Yeah. In and oh. of itself would just be a ton of fun, yeah?
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's a very good application. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm just here to help <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put you in the reference, like yeah, special thanks to, to Michael and his podcast for, <laughs> for giving us this idea.
0: <laughs> okay. Look, I'm going to let you go. It was awesome to have you on the show. I want to thank you. Elias Vilemsa. Did I get it right again? Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Co-founder and the CTO at Waste Labs. Really interesting conversation. I really appreciate your time. Yeah.
1: Pleasure, Michael. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, and it's been fun.